0: Childhood is a brief, precarious, and precious time. Those of us who are parents watch with amazement as the chubby, wobbly legs stretch tall and the tentative first words evolve in the full-fledged conversation. Today's gospel tells us that childhood is also instructive in our faith, and children offer us a unique way of knowing God. In this passage from Matthew, Jesus thanks God for the understanding that is hidden from the learned and revealed to children. Jesus speaks of the knowledge of God that comes to us when we are like children, in a childlike frame of mind. Elsewhere, he said we must become as children to enter God's kingdom. He's speaking of the special quality that children have that's often lost as we enter adulthood. Practitioners of Zen call it beginner's mind. Mystics speak of the cloud of unknowing. At least one Jungian psychotherapist has written of it as an intuitive way of knowing. It is an emptiness, an awareness of need, an openness, a wonder. Children seem closer to a remembered heaven. Such an open state of being allows us to be open to revelation. The experience of poverty or bereavement, of imprisonment, or the realization of personal inadequacy can prompt us to such a state. So can the crisis of moving through life's transitions. Jesus commends that state of being and urges us to find it in ourselves, or to join or to join those Who are already there. Let me give you an example of one who seemed to have such a direct understanding of God. In 1960, six-year-old Ruby Bridges went to first grade in the William Franz Elementary School in New Orleans. She was the first African-American child to integrate the all-white school and she walked with federal marshals past hostile, jeering crowds. For weeks that turned into months, she walked past threatening adults and children, carrying her lunchbox and school satchel to go into an empty classroom in an empty building. She was the only child there. But she had a sunny disposition and worked hard and was supported by her parents and church community. Her teacher worried about her and questioned her, but Ruby said she was doing fine and she seemed to be. Then one morning her teacher noticed that Ruby did something different. She stopped in front of the angry crowd and seemed to be talking to them. The crowd got angrier and the marshals tried to hurry Ruby, but she wouldn't budge. When Ruby came into the classroom, her teacher asked her what she had said to the people in the crowd. Ruby said she had not spoken to the people. Her teacher persisted. Ruby insisted that she had not talked to them. Her teacher said that she had seen Ruby's lips moving. I wasn't talking, Ruby said. I was praying. I was praying for them. Every day, Ruby had stopped and prayed on her way to school. That morning, she had forgotten until she saw the crowd, and so she said her prayers then and there. Eventually... Her classmates came back, and Ruby was able to continue her schooling like other children. But during her ordeal, her relationship with God had sustained her. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to babes. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Now, it seems part of human nature to resist that state of need and emptiness where revelation is most likely to occur. And yet life pushes us there at almost every juncture. Think of the toddler, the school-aged kid on the first day, the adolescent, young parents, those in midlife crises, empty nesters, those laid off, recent retirees, widows, widowers, those facing illness disability, or death. All of these are in a state of crisis, which is also a state of opportunity. It's a place where our sense of ourselves and our sense of God is immediate and open to renewal. Jesus commends such places of need and urges us to go there voluntarily. But as you know, in our culture, we spend vast amounts of money and time in a tremendous effort to have control over our lives. But life continues to offer us situations we can't control. We're thrown time and time again into dependency on God, and most of us are uncomfortable there. We like to feel empowered and independent. We like the familiar comforts of our known world, and we want to stay where we are. But when we do, we're actually not staying in the same place, but we're moving farther and farther from a radical connection with God. It's the saints who most often point us in the other direction. St. Francis is a good example, and our Gospel from Matthew is also the one appointed for his feast day in October. In the following poem, we catch a glimpse of his perspective. St. Francis fell in love with loss. He courted emptiness and absence. He called it lady, spent his days and nights, in search of lacking more. He would have found her in each loss. He would have loved the empty hand, the end of wine that brought in nothing. Surely his dreams in spangled darkness, enticed and beckoned, still he left them, desiring the rising morning light, its rich and recent emptiness. To live is to grow and change, and to grow and change means to comprehend God in different ways. As we progress through life, we come to see God as our own lenses change. Each transition we undergo feels at first like a loss. We're thrown into a crisis, and it can remain a loss and feel like personal emptiness, or it can become an opportunity for new growth and understanding. It is by undergoing such transitions that we gain a fuller understanding of God and that leads us toward the fullness of life to which we are all called. Our gospel for today speaks of ways of knowing God. One of the Latin roots of the word education means to be led forth and branch out. Now, as many of you know, I served as a chaplain in educational institutions for many years. And it often seems we understand education as the acquiring of information rather than being drawn out into fuller personhood. Ideally, our education consists of both, the acquiring of information as well as the development of our God-given insight and understanding. The Gospel continues with these words, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It is a passage that sounds more like the Gospel of John than the Gospel of Matthew. It's a statement of God becoming human that second only to the great incarnational text, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But it also speaks of knowing. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It speaks of a kind of knowledge that is revealed, revelatory. Revelation means knowledge as grace. Frederick Buechner says, No one has ever really managed to find out much, if anything, about God. Nobody figured Christianity out. It happened. That's what it means to call it a revealed religion. Not incompatible with reason, maybe if you give it some thought, but not arrived at primarily by reason either. Our gospel concludes with an invitation Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is there any among us who is not heavy laden? Whether it's the weight of potential or ambition, worry or fear, all of us come to this altar with burdens. Whether we bring a cross of pain, a hunger to know God, a fear of emptiness, a burden of guilt, or just a chip on our shoulder, we are invited to set down our load. We are summoned to join with our Savior who is lowly and gentle, who will soon nourish us with the Holy Eucharist with his own body and blood. He who has searched us out and known us, ask that we remember our wonder. He who loves us as we are, tells us to learn from his example. He invites us to exchange our heavy burdens for easy ones, and he will take ours and shoulder them to glory in the shape of his cross. Amen.